You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Hey Scott, I want to make a sequel to The Highlander. I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies, as suggested by you. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver, and I'm ready to talk about some hot garbo. <laughs> yes, we're uh, we're talking about, of course, uh, The Highlander, uh, the classic cult film from 1986. I'm so excited to get into this with you guys. Oh, no, this no, be good. Liam. There's been a mistake. We're actually doing Highlander 2 from 1991. No, that, that can't, that's not the movie. We Why would you make a sequel to Highlander? There can be only one. That's the, the tagline. It's the premise of the ending. What are, you, what are you talking about, the Highlander 2? I don't know what to tell you, Liam. You're going to be really disappointed when you find out there's like four or five of them. <laughs> and a yes, long-running TV we're series, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, we're talking about Highlander 2 from 1991. Uh, directed by Russell McCauley, who made the first one and should have known better. Uh, written by Peter Bellwood, who wrote the first one, should have known better. <laughs> Starring Christopher Lambert as McLeod, who should have known better. Uh, Sean Connery returning uh, against all good judgment. Uh, Virginia Madsen, Michael Ironside. Uh, and uh, I've buried the lead here, because uh, um, we might be talking about Hart Garbo, but we have a fantastic guest I'm very excited to introduce uh, from the Quantum Kickflip podcast and the Debutantes Comedy Group, uh, Glenna Showalter. Hello! Hello Glenna. Hi, thanks for having me. So excited yeah. to talk about this hot Garbo. <laughs> and not for a horror movie, for a change. I know. Well, my very first one was the Dungeons and Dragons movie, so I feel oh, like if it's right. not a horror movie, it's horrible yeah. fantasy. <laughs> um, but in this case, it's horrible yeah. cyberpunk dystopia. So you got to own your niche, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, I just want to say we just came out of doing a double feature out of Don't Look Up and Armageddon, and we followed it up with a double feature of Eternals and then Immortals. <laughs> and I can't help but feel like we're we're setting a bad precedent here <laughs> yeah. because we went from a movie about alien robots who've been here since the dawn of history to a movie about aliens who've been here since the dawn of history <laughs> yeah uh, i think my favorite part about this whole uh uh episode recording is that i i had never seen the original highlander until this week oh so it was an excuse to catch up on some classic yeah. schlock that's that's like was that that flick was you, you said schlock and it threw me off that <laughs> flick was fun <laughs> it's it's fine i think uh, the thing is, I actually think the original Highlander movie is right in our wheelhouse of a movie that's fine but could be better. And the sequel is a real challenge because it is very bad. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is very bad and it flies in the face of the first movie in a yep. spectacular way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of... Um, it seems like it wrote the book on how not to make a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, it's hard to decide who destroyed the lore of their franchise more like Highlander 2 or Phantom Menace <laughs> mm. <laughs> probably this one I'm gonna give it to this one yeah, I'm gonna give George even... Lucas a break on this one <laughs> it's, that's funny that you compared it to um, uh, the Phantom Menace because in my mind I actually compared it to Rise of Skywalker yeah me too of just a yeah, just a movie coming in and being like, hey, everything that just happened in the last movie, fuck you. <laughs> Except in this case, there's not even the excuse of a different director and a different writer being brought in. Yeah. It's no. the same people making the sequel, and they they so completely miss the mark of their own movie. <laughs> as, I, as I was telling you guys uh, before we started recording that I watched uh, a mini doc on Highlander 2 called Highlander 2 uh, Seduced by Argentina, which is where they shot the movie. Um, 
and it's free on uh, YouTube if you are so inclined to. Fun to fact: watch. so is the movie itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gotta get to that. Um, but uh, the the writer uh, talks about how he thought he was giving the fans what they wanted, which is an explanation for where the immortals came from, and then he then he says, turns out you know, maybe it wasn't a question that needs answering. And you're like, yeah, bingo, buddy. It yeah. did not at all. <laughs> yeah. from, from the horse's mouth. Um, Hindsight being what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're all we're all laughing. We're having a good time. And, and I'll say this, and I'll, I'll ask your feelings on it as well. I By no means did I like this movie, but I kind of loved it. <laughs> like, this... <laughs> Is this movie a so bad it's good kind of movie, or is it just plain bad? Uh, like, Glenna, how was your, how, what was your takeaway on it in that regard? Like, I, so bad it's bad or so bad it's good? I was really bored. Like, I did not have fun with the badness, necessarily. I just was like, oh, this is another boring scene and another <laughs> boring scene. And then John C. McGinley and Michael Ironside yell at each other for a little bit, and that's fun. Yeah. And then another sure. boring scene, and like, yeah, I didn't have fun with it, but. Yeah, there's, this movie is not well shot. Uh, there mm-hmm. are sword fights between two shadowed, uh, long-haired men in long coats, where wielding virtually identical blades, and uh, I could not tell who was fighting who during many of the climactic sword fights. Like, it's. Yeah blandly shot the color palettes just washed out um the special effects are not great there's frenetic editing all over the place and it's hard to follow at least in the theatrical cut uh from just a visual standpoint which is unfortunate and makes it just painful to sit through but you are absolutely correct glenna anytime michael ironside or john c mcginley are on the screen the movie cranks itself back up to 10 and you're like i'm on board again (laughs) (laughs) in fact when i was thinking about like no i feel like when i've been reflecting on it over the two days i'm like no i think there was parts of it i was i'm just thinking about them and the cyberpunk crow guys (laughs) and i'm like no the rest of it is boring you're right i just really like that they had two hammy villains doing the same thing at each other it that was very fun i'm like why are there two villains in this movie of the same guy (laughs) why not because Scott, you you mentioned the theatrical cut, we should probably mention that um, yeah. all of us kind of watched different versions of this movie. <laughs> we all intended to watch the theatrical cut; it just didn't work out that way. Um, um, YouTube being what it is, and not labeling things, you know, accurately. So yeah, you can you can pay money to rent the the Renegade cut, the 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 the, the remade version. Um, made by the original directors because of all the drama they had behind the scenes in the first one buddy wanted to take his name off it so they made went and made a renegade cut a couple years later that is the the one you can buy and rent uh it is also available free on youtube as is the theatrical cut as is a vhs cut we found yep (laughs) Uh, and so unfortunately um greg and scott watched the theatrical version uh, Glenna and I watched the Renegade cut, and then Greg uh, and in- also watched the Renegade cut. Yeah, um, and so happy to report, not really a huge difference. No, we we exchanged notes. There's not really much different between them, and they're both versions are still pretty bad. Yeah, I, I will say that to me, the 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 Renegade cut definitely felt like more of a movie, mm. and the theatrical cut felt like a real bad B movie mess. So there's there's a there's a difference in feeling and tone to the two, um, but yeah, I can't imagine how it could be worse. Like truly, <laughs> I don't know. Like it's really hard to visualize. Yeah, I mean, like the, the they both ruin the mysticism of the Highlander. Equal, like whether it's aliens or time travel, it doesn't matter. Like those were neither of those were particularly good ideas for the Highlander. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, oh, sorry. No, I was just agreeing. (laughs) (laughs) The ding-dang delay over Discord, really. Anyway, but uh, nevertheless, let's, uh, let's go to, uh, the trailer. Uh, let's let the movie speak for itself before we, uh, lambast it. Lambert it, if you will. (laughs) We we shouldn't. Cut that out. (laughs) 
Greetings, Highlander. You call? Let's have some fun. In all their centuries on Earth, nothing could have prepared them for the quickening. Christopher Lambert, Sean Connery, Highlander 2, The Quickening. When we last left Connor McCloud, he had defeated the monstrous Kurgan, becoming last of the Immortals. His victory bestowed upon him the entirety of human knowledge and a happy mortal life with his new lover. Now a feeble, meat-filled flesh sock like the rest of us, McCloud becomes extremely concerned with UV rays, especially when the ozone layer disappears. Since sunblock is for weenies, McCloud decides the best solution is to build a giant energy shield around the whole Earth. Now I know what you're thinking, when are we going to get to the sword fighting? Well, I promise we will get there, but first, we need to take a detour to the planet Zeist, because McCloud is an alien, you see. Yes, it turns out he's been a fugitive alien, and a guy named General Katana wants to travel to the Earth to kill him. All pretty standard sequel stuff. Oi, where to start? I mean, I guess you could start with like the fact that like the General Katana seems to have no particular reason to want to go back to earth or forward in time depending on which version you're watching and kill I, I think that we i'd love to i know we already touched on it but i would like to definitively all agree that that answering that question didn't need to be answered of like where did the immortals come no. from oh yeah Cut all of it like it's, <laughs> that said so stupid michael ironside is a delight in this movie and i swear he watched the first movie watched clancy brown's performance as kurgan in the first movie and went that was too subtle and <laughs> brought that energy into the sequel and holy cow is it magnificent to watch him just ham it up at like 11 from start to finish i want to talk about like the train scene the scene with the train <laughs> <laughs> yes where he comes rocketing from space uh and <laughs> lands in, in a train in an underground train somehow <laughs> And then uh, kills a guy who's watching a weird cyberpunk film on, like, an eyepiece. Uh, on Google Glass. On Google Glass. <laughs> uh, says a thing to a kid and then goes and, like, murders the tr- train conductor or the engineer, I guess, and then cranks it up to 600 miles per hour. <laughs> and then everyone else in the train dies at just... He's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's wacky. It, <laughs> what that seemed like to me, because there's the scene in the first one where uh, Kurgan like grabs a car and starts driving with like a terrorized woman in the car, and he's like driving manically down the street, terrorizing people. Mm-hmm. I feel like they were like, "Well, let's just do that, but again more. and bigger." And there was multiple <laughs> scenes through this movie that were just like beat for beat from the first one. Like it starts with him in an opera, like or like. He starts with watching wrestling in the first one. Yeah. This one, he's watching opera, but he's still sitting lackadaisically in a chair. And they tried to like repeat stuff for no reason. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, um, or not no reason. As George Lucas would like, put it, it, because it rhymes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it like it's it's funny. It, it's it's funny because like as bonkers and as like as as much as this movie is it, like separates itself from the original Highlander, it still has that sequelitis that most 80s 90s sequels have where they just try to make the same movie again but different it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a trip but yeah that the train scene was <laughs> and the, really long too like yeah I, I love that in both versions whether he's a time traveler or he's a alien uh he understands what, not only what the train is but how to drive it yep <laughs> when and, he, and says he uh, always uh, wanted to do it yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's always wanted to do it. But nonsense. <laughs> the the okay, the jetpack crow guys were fun. I wanted more of them and wish that they died. The my issue um, with that is that the fight with them is is one of the fights that's really badly edited and mm-hmm. is kind of boring because of that and it really should have been an exciting fight. Yeah. But it's not um even a little bit. And then it ends with him getting kissed by an exploding truck. 
<laughs> it oh, makes yeah. sense when you watch it. When you watch it, that what I just said does make sense. And then he walks dramatically out of the fire, unburnt, but also his clothes are immortal, so they're unburnt. And then, <laughs> in, and then the the woman he just met, who is the leader of the eco terrorists, just immediately is like, I'm as horny as I've ever been in my life and jumps his bones right there. Despite the fact that he just murdered two people and was an old man eight seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it we're makes perfect talk about sense. Louise. That's... It makes perfect <laughs> sense. <laughs> I have some thoughts uh, yeah, on no, Louise. Talk, please talk about Louise. Like I'm sure like fixes as well, but what like I mean, this to, to say this movie fails the Bechdel test is an understatement. <laughs> like, she had okay. So the initial scene where they were like breaking into the Shield headquarters was kind of cool. It was a little confusing, but it was kind of cool. And I was really, I really liked the reveal of like, oh, they take off her helmet and she's a sexy young lady and she's got like her key card and she's doing her hacker thing and it's awesome. And then she does nothing for the rest of the movie. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yep. What a waste. What are you talking? I mean, she's in that, she's in that truck at the end. <laughs> yeah, she sure is. She, she drives, she drives the truck. That's right. That's why she's that's there to drive. The twi- that's why she's there. The questions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first movie wasn't particularly kind to women either, but this one no. was rough. <laughs> no. But yeah. there were at least multiple women in it. Yeah. Well, yeah. This one has two women, technically. Yeah. One of them smashes a bottle over McLeod's head at the beginning and then is never seen or heard from again. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, I almost, like, I was about to be like, oh, yeah, there's so many other problems with this movie. Of course, they're going to miss things like that. But I'm like, no, you know what? I'm I, That's a standard that even bad movies should have, like, diverse and empathetic casting. <laughs> even if they don't know how to edit it or write it, we should be expecting better, yeah, of, like, using characters efficiently and respectfully. So, first strike to highlight <laughs> Not strike. That's the bad way to phrase it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, have a, I have a question. Like, what? What is it? Like this? I mean, obviously, this is. I, I dare say this might be the, the, the worst movie. No, maybe second worst. I can't. I can't decide between this and Blues Brothers two thousand. Uh, I hated. I, the- I. I think I hated Blues Brothers two thousand much more. So I think I'll give it the second best. Like, what is it? What? Uh, what can you point to that? that makes this a bad movie. Like what, what single thing is the, is, is most responsible for it? You know, is like, for me, it's, it's the deconstruction of the original film. That's, that's the part I find most offensive about it. Um, but I'm curious to see if you guys feel the same way. Um, interesting. I don't know about most of it's, it's the most obviously egregious. Like it's the most, what of all the absurd choices to just undo the last one is probably the biggest. But I think the thing I found hardest to watch about it was the, like, real one-take line delivery and really chunky editing, like you were saying. Like, that fight, thinking back to the fight with the Crow guys, like, you can see them all but, like, zip line into a wall. Like, um, so I think it was it was mostly the editing, which, as, as some of the uh, uh, reading I was doing on it, we were all doing on it, um, was edited by an insurance company. So... <laughs> <laughs> but the movie told us that corporations are the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, the movie's I and as I said it off the top too, the movie's hard to watch, like literally, because it's so sloppily filmed and edited and everything. And so like that that's one of the reasons why I would say it ranks up there as one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um <laughs> despite the fact that there are certainly cast members who are giving it their all. Uh, despite the fact that I have a soft spot for cyberpunk movies, I love trashy cyberpunk movies. I am trashy. They are my trash. And this was still terrible. There was it, very little I could pull out of it that I enjoyed. It was no Johnny Mnemonic. I'll tell that, say that much. Johnny Mnemonic, no. great movie. This movie, not a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm struggling to find any particular bright spot about about the film, I do. Well, I, it, when I watched the Renegade Cunt, I did actually enjoy the opera sequence, but it still had the elements of like McLeod being uh, from the distant past and having memories before he was an, an immortal, which just again just takes takes all the magic and and 
mysticism yeah. out of the of that so whole that, thing. It just like instantly makes it not cool, which is yeah. unfortunate. That um, opera scene wasn't in the theatrical cut like at all. Oh no, it is. It's just in a different spot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's there. It's just not done as well. But like, but other than that, like I, I the the high wire fighting scene, I did not like. Um, it was uh, like we were talking about earlier. Like they don't they don't really fight each other. They just they're just on wires, and every once in a while they connect. It's mostly McCloud um, hiding from them. Um, the there are almost no sword fights that I would say that are exciting. I didn't get excited about. Um, the Ramirez fight. Oh, we have yet to talk excited. about Ramirez. Yeah. Mm. I didn't get excited about either of the um, the Katana fights. Um, you know, so, like, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> Like you like you said, Glenna, it's just, like, it's boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I, the church scene was the other one, where it's like, there's a church scene in the first one, there's a church scene in this right. one. Right, right. Which, it made no sense to me because General Katana is like, remember the golden rule, McCloud, we can't fight on holy ground. And I'm like, you're an alien and you're not an immortal bound by these rules. Why do you care? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you suddenly have to obey immortal rules because you're on earth? Is that a thing? Did not make sense to me. Um, yeah. This movie bends over backwards to bring back Sean Connery's character <laughs> from the first movie. And the for the level of impact he actually has on the plot, it's for a glorified cameo, mm-hmm. which yeah. baffles me. Like, they, they, they waste time and energy resurrecting a dead character so that he can show up for a fight and then die again. <laughs> And can we just talk about how much they were leaning into, like, it's Sean Connery, he's Scottish, remember? When Ramirez is an Egyptian! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ramirez Ramirez is a Spanish name that he says is an assumed name because he's originally Egyptian, but when we go back to the planet Zeist, his name is Ramirez! (laughs) What? (laughs) And the first thing he does is go buy a kilt. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Also, I forget what the song was that played during that scene, but I'm like, wow, this is a hacky choice for a classical song. It was, um, oh, it was, it was um, William Tell Overture, wasn't it? Yeah. Or was it Amazing Grace? It was like no. bagpipe music. It was just, yeah. Like, no. I thought it was Amazing Grace, but maybe I don't, I'm not a music aficionado, so. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, it was like, just like the most obvious thing you could play on the bagpipes as yeah. he's getting dressed. Yeah. Oh no, they do Amazing Grace when he's sacrificing himself in the death trap. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, no, it's William Tell when he's in the uh in the, the suit shop because they're like, It'll yeah. take two weeks, and he's like, I will give you my earring. How about uh this afternoon? And they're like, Cool. And then they do it really <laughs> fast. Yeah, they do. <laughs> the earring that he just yeah. pulls off his ear like it's a clip-on, because it's clearly a clip-on. <laughs> 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 uh, um, yeah, and he he seems like he's phoning in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like he's <laughs> so he's I my my fix uh, for him will involve him getting to be cool and good and still using Ramirez in the movie without ruining everything. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a way to use Ramirez in the movie without ruining everything. I I have a suggestion for a fix that, believe it or not, keeps the cyberpunk and. Uh, it has has some something else going on. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Get well, ahead heck, of gang. Let's just let's do it. Let's uh, hear from our friends of the Alberta Podcast Network and uh, get into our fixes for this uh, this movie because it it can it can be saved. <laughs> there could be more than half a one. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Cheesemus? A new podcast with an inside look on the Philippinex identity in the diaspora. Cheesemus is the Tagalog word for gossip. Subscribe to hear weekly episodes about disappointing your parents, breaking it to your friends that you're not Italian, trying to figure out why you punched a car, and much, much more. What's the Cheesemus is produced by CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. Download it wherever you find podcasts and on what's the Cheesemus.transistor.fm. Cheesemus spelled T S I S M I S. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We're talking Highlander 2, uh, the misguided sequel to The Highlander, uh, as recommended 
uh, as all of our movies this season are uh, recommended by you, our listeners, over on Twitter, uh, on our Facebook. And, of course, this one uh, was recommended by Robin over at Cinematological, who, in realizing when discussing the worst movies we've had on this podcast, Blues Brothers 2000, uh, <laughs> came up, uh, we had Robin on that episode. And so I feel like this is, like, payback or punishment or retribution. Uh, either way, I d- f- Uncle, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I said I was sorry. I made you watch Blues Brothers 2000. <laughs> um, but also we're uh, we're gonna uh, k- kick it off with uh, our um, uh, beloved fans and listeners. Uh, we normally read your comments near the end, but uh, folks just had so many uh, comments and suggestions for this film that we're actually gonna read the listener comments off the top and then get into our fixes. Uh, so if you want to get in on the notes having, please follow us on social media at I Have Some Notes uh, on on Twitter uh, and on Instagram at I Have Some Notes Pod. Follow us on Facebook. We'll ask for your suggestions and what have you, and then we'll read them out like this. Married with TV says the planet Zeist is holding a galactic dance contest, and there can be only one fabulous immortal dancer to win it all. <laughs> can Christopher Lambert He's- dance? That's the big question. Was that wasn't that always Colin's thing of like making a musical? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's right. This movie wouldn't have been much worse for it. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Michael Senchuk says, I wonder if there can be only one is the most used movie quotes in North America. I used it before I even saw the movies, so. Yeah. I don't know if it's the most used movie quote in North America, but it's definitely the one quote everyone knows from Highlander. Yeah, it's it's one of those fun ones that, like, per, like precedes anyone having seen the movie like you yeah. like Glenn was saying yeah I didn't see this movie till this week um and I had heard there can be only one it it transcends the movie itself yeah it's kind of fun uh Andrew Craig comments if you had to make a sequel make it a prequel you lose the ultimate quickening aspect but make it more personal battle for Connor that's yeah. that's definitely one of the more obvious fixes and I, I to risk uh treading into our territory i'm pretty sure at least okay. one or two of us also are gonna pitch a, a prequel on this but yeah. uh like that's that's the obvious thing the first movie ends at the end but he's lived a whole lifetime why not yeah. set a movie earlier on in his life yeah there's so much like he's he lived for what 500 years yeah. right mm-hmm. and there's so much to pull from and, and so many interesting time periods to explore I mean, obviously, like they, you know, they made a, a a TV series about it, and that was the whole hook of the show is just like exploring McLeod's past, right? And except uh, it was Duncan McLeod in that movie, Duncan in that McLeod, TV series, yeah. not Connor McLeod. And I think eventually they meet in a movie, do they not? Yeah, Highlander Endgame, <laughs> where they sure tie the continuities, sense. they tie the movie continuity and the TV continuity together, and they, oh, they kind pull of a, they pull a. Uh, no way home. Yeah, they they a hundred percent do not acknowledge Highlander two having ever been a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the same for Highlander three, right? Like, yeah, from that point forward, it's yeah they don't care about number two. Highlander Highlander uh, Endgame definitely makes Highlander two uh, discontinuity because uh, spoiler alert: Connor McCloud dies in that movie, <laughs> and it definitely takes place before the cyberpunk future. <laughs> <laughs> Robin at Cinematological says uh, a sequel would have been the demigods who created the immortals come back looking for all that power and McLeod spitting his essence into a bunch of new Highlanders splitting his essence no spitting is better I like him spitting his <laughs> essence <laughs> into other I, uh, open I actually, your mouth <laughs> I dig this idea a little bit yeah. um, not nah, I, I mean the, there's, there's some extra lore there and then you get um, potentially a whole bunch of new fun characters to play with. Well, yeah. and you, by making it demigods, you keep it magic because it should be mm-hmm. magic. It shouldn't yeah. be space aliens. Yeah. Uh, friend of the show, Olav Rockney, uh, had lots to say. I have discussed this film with him, uh, having never seen it uh, many times. Um, I, dare I say a fan fan of this film Olaf Rockney, uh, says, uh, lean more into the bonkers mayhem spend more time on Zeist bring back Hugh Quarshy as uh, Sunda Castiger uh, who is also resurrected for no reason uh, just like Ramirez uh, give him a jetpack for no other reason than to fight Corda uh, while Connor fights Reno 
give a sword to Louise Marcus and a jetpack for some reason. Have her fight against <laughs> David Blake, who also has a jetpack. Give us more details about the solar radiation shield. Figure out how the shield company is making money off environmental collapse. That is true. That is not how they're making money on it is not explained. <laughs> Uh, allow Michael Ironside to chew the scenery a little more. Um, I, do, I don't think anyone was holding them back. <laughs> uh, he needs to be totally unhinged and over the top. Add Nicolas Cage as another immortal named David McLeod. Allow Nicolas Cage to go full Nicolas Cage. Give Corda and Reno each a love interest and a full character arc. He really liked those two cyberpunk goons. They were very fun. <laughs> yeah. He reminded me of the, the twins from The Matrix. Mm. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I like the tongue. It was, it's, it's good good energy, good costumes. Yeah. No notes for those guys. <laughs> <laughs> their, their scene should have been edited better, but they, they are not at fault. At SpoilerCast says, Try to old man Logan it. Virginia Madsen is the lead fighting against the S.H.I.E.L.D. Corp., but uh, she seeks out McLeod to make him undo the S.H.I.E.L.D. He is old and black-pilled, but something within Madsen makes him want to fight for a righteous cause again. At one point, McLeod is killed and has to reveal his true identity to Madsen. He teaches her the code of immortals, and they fight together. In the end, S.H.I.E.L.D. is destroyed. Madsen is mortally wounded. The world is saved. McLeod is alone again, but the spirit and dedication of Madsen has uh, reinvigorated his hope for humanity. Bittersweet ending with an opening for sequels where McLeod is more of a comic book hero kind of character. Uh, The only issue with that is that it doesn't really explain how he's immortal again. Because the first movie makes it pretty clear that he's no longer immortal and you if you are making a sequel where he's immortal again you do at least have to kind of explain why that happens that is going to be actually one of my fixes and i have an explanation for how he's still immortal they also forget the part where mcleod can hear the thoughts of every human being oh right? yeah <laughs> yep that's true we kind of conveniently dump that out so i don't know as long as we're forgetting about stuff we might as well forget that he's that he's mortal i suppose uh nathan martin comments this movie makes no sense they have force powers why is connery back from the dead why pretty much anything in this movie it's not good the first one was fine just a series that never really hit me my dad loves them (laughs) but he probably doesn't love this one my dad didn't love it he watched it with me and he was like that was crap (laughs) (laughs) but he also likes the two cyberpunk goon guys so those guys are approved across the board (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and lastly tony comments there should be only one yeah yep nailed it tony (laughs) the first movie ends it ends Mm -hmm. with with connor mcleod as the last immortal the weird thing is i watched that movie and then i sent greg and liam in our little text uh chat like a list of changes I would make to that movie. And I was like, I have tons of ideas for Highlander. This movie could be way punched up. It's fa- it's great. And then I watched Highlander 2 and I just stared blankly at the screen when the movie ended for like 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Because like, like, we have this unwritten rule about not doing a page one rewrite on these movies. Trying to fix the movies as they're presented to us um this is probably the one time i'm gonna break that rule for myself because (laughs) because like i just like the for me like the fundamental flaw is just like how it ruined the the lore of the of the film like it just kind of upended the whole concept of the of the how cool the first movie was so like that like i don't know how to fix that and then keep the majority of the movie and i also kind of hate the um, ozone layer plot. I don't like it. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I don't want it. I want McCloud to be battling immortals. I don't want to see him try and fix the ozone. It's just like such a weird decision. I'm so confused by that. Apparently, that was um, big in the nineties. I mean, I yeah, we did have a big hole in it. What uh, what do y'all have for for fixes then? Um, because I actually I can address most of what Greg said, but I'm curious what what you well, y'all got. Greg, you're the one who wants to do a complete page one rewrite. So why don't we start with you and you lay out your vision for a Highlander two, and then Glenna, Liam, and I can give our not page one rewrites where we try to actually punch up the movie we've got. Sure. Um, I I kind of wanted to set a sequel 
in uh, in fifteenth century Japan, just like over like a hundred years after uh, the events of uh, in Scotland in the first Highlander. That seems like a kind of like a neat place to go, just because there's there's a slight connection with his uh, with his sword that he's received from Ramirez and stuff like that. And after the death of his wife, there's kind of an opportunity for him to be wandering and aimless and not sure what to do. You know, he spent his his entire life with this woman, and she dies in his arms, and like he's having to come to grips with like what a lonely existence being an immortal is. Um, so he just finds himself in Japan just as like a common foot soldier for like the shogunate or something like that, you know, and he's, he ends up apprenticing a young immortal and and just tries to do for that young immortal what Ramirez did for him. Um, but the hook of it for me is like he, he, he fails, he kind of like fails spectacularly at it you know like the uh the other advantage of doing it this way is like you still get to bring sean connery back because you can have mcleod go to flashbacks of him and ramirez together because you don't really know how long they were together like in that movie it could be it could have been like a decade for all we know they could have been hanging out so they could have had a bunch of adventures that you could flashback to um but the way i see it is like this young immortal is just like um He's got like a he's he's too eager and he's got like a, an enormous ego and he can't he training him is is very difficult and he can't bring him to the the same calm level that Ramirez did him um, and ultimately he you know this guy just becomes obsessed with becoming the one um, you know he he seeks revenge for maybe like the death of his family or something like that maybe there's like a, another menacing immortal sort of like Kurgan but he's you know a, some sort of uh, you know ruler in in Japan and he the two of them kind of have to team up to kill him uh, but in the end like his apprentice turns on him sort of you know uh, <laughs> Star Wars style um, so you get this sort of like bitter sweet ending where he's just he's try he was you know, trying to do the right thing, um, but just couldn't uh, uh, live up to uh, the shadow of Ramirez. Yeah, that would be... That's a good story, for sure. Yeah, at least uh, the spines of a perfectly reasonable story that honors the lore and is coherent. Here's here's the thing. Um, I'm going to segue into mine, uh, because your movie fits in my movie. Um, Mm -hmm. Because what my pitch was, you keep the cyberpunk thing fine, you, you ditch the alien stuff completely, but you tell two simultaneous stories, one in the past and one in the cyberpunk present. And the two stories are mirroring one another. And so like, and it's, it's really framed as Connor McLeod is drawing upon this experience that he had in the distant past because it's reflecting stuff that's going on with his battle with this corporation in the present. And so, and that's, I think that's where general Katana is. General Katana is the threat he's facing in the past. Whereas, uh, was Blake, the CEO is the, is his contemporary like counterpart. And you have kind of parallel storylines that are, that are building to the, to the climax as McLeod tries to, uh, stop this evil corporation from profiting off of climate change uh, while simultaneously in the past defeating this immortal threat in general Katana, who was, who was also trying to take over the world or something. I hadn't fine tuned it much, but I think that there's a place where you can have both stories happening at the same time with one kind of bouncing off each other because this Connor is a guy who's lived for so long that he could draw upon those past experiences in the present. That's sick, and I'm gonna steal that from. Like, I'm gonna take yours and do mine. No, this I'm is curious. the be- the uh, best version of our show is when we yeah. snowball off each other to come up <laughs> with wanna, the best I, possible I wanna, version. Uh, here, here, Glennis fixes as well because I know I'm not I'm trying to save like a minor the best for last. I just like don't want to. I don't feel like I'm always like me, me. I gotta or I shut up. <laughs> yeah, like this one was hard, and yep. I it's really hard for me to be like yeah, just do. Just a just a list of uh, list a few things. Uh, get get rid of the sun shields. I don't care about the sun shield. I get rid of that. 
I, I'm aliens. okay with him fighting an evil mega corporation, but he doesn't need to have blocked out the sun. No. Yeah. Like making McLeod a scientist doesn't make any sense based on who Not he really. is. Cause he was an antiques dealer uh, and a sword fighter. Those are his things that he's good at. <laughs> Let him fight swords. Um, fight with swords. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let Louise do anything. Just yeah. have her be integral to the plot. Maybe she's, again, like if she's the one who goes and finds him, then I think she should actually have more agency than just jumping his bones right away and like have them not become sexual partners for no reason after having one conversation with each other. Please. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> like they can get together in the end if we want, but I think it's actually stronger if they don't. I I like the yeah. idea, uh, if we're to loop that back around to mine, um, if Greg's version of the past is him and he has this apprentice immortal in Japan and they're pointed towards General Katana as the big immortal threat, in the present, Louise can be the contemporary version of that apprentice. Mm-hmm. And it part of the journey of him in the present is to not make the mistakes he did with the apprentice in the past, mm, right? Yes. Yeah. Sick. Sorry, I don't. Uh, so I don't. I didn't mean to completely Scott, steal focus, no, no. but uh, I just wanted. No, I wanted uh, to tie it all together. Yeah, and in your version, Scott, is he still old in the future? Like, if they're telling two stories, so. is he old and mortal? I think so. I think that raises the stakes in the present too. He doesn't have the shield of immortality, and there is a, a real threat to him in the present. Whereas in the past, he's still immortal, and he gets stabbed, and it's like I'm better now. This isn't my fix, but I was just thinking about that. What it? Because like one of the things that was in this movie was he has to kill the other immortal in the sun shield to destroy the sun shield. And that, that was like the closest thing this movie comes to any kind of like tying the two plot threads together. Um, yeah. With 20 minutes left in the plot, general (laughs) Katana shows up in the boardroom and is like, I'm in charge now. And everybody's like, well, you killed that guy. So I guess you are. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, corporations work um but yeah if that was uh if maybe in your just riffing off what you said there scott if he's if he's still old and mortal in your version when he goes to destroy the sun shield perhaps him absorbing all the energy like returns his immortality oh maybe like he's he's got i don't know i just seem and, just seem fun and, and assuming that we're we're borrowing all of glenna's points there's no sun shield so he's doing something else with oh, yeah. the mega corporation some other thing yeah <laughs> some other power source um, okay, so I love this. So we've got, because uh, like I love Greg's thing of setting it in uh, some some of the past. My That was my fix for Sean Connery, was we just see Sean Connery being a leader and a thoughtful person and a, a role model, uh, the, the mentor in this hero's journey, in the past. Um, we just see him in flashbacks. He doesn't need to be in the present. He died. He did. Um, and that way you get to still say it is, tr- it's, a, it's a true cameo. There's one or two scenes with Sean Connery. You get to put his name on the poster. You don't fuck up the fact that he died with with confusing the lore. Uh, and he gets to be in Scotland, do some cool sword fighting on a, the beautiful cliffs of the Highlands or wherever in Japan or in Egypt or wherever they are. Um, and that's it. And he doesn't. And then he only has to show up for a weekend of shooting. Like, because <laughs> he clearly didn't want to be in this movie. So, like, <laughs> why are you making him? Why are you making him be in a plane? Why are you making him be in a clothing store? Why are you making him hold the fucking fan up? I do um, have an answer for that. That was the studio. The studio the yeah. studio wanted Sean Connery and they specifically said he can't be just a cameo. So that's why he's got this sort of elevated role. Well, I'm the studio now and I say he's <laughs> just a flashback. <laughs> Glenda, did you have any other points before we fully go into Liam's? Uh, <laughs> not really. Like mine was just like cut this, cut this, cut this. <laughs> <laughs> um so here here is my pitch for so we got we got people in the past uh, I love this. Uh, the dual story thing works because I I didn't necessarily want to lose this like ecological storyline as as flimsy as it is. <laughs> like it is a flimsy story about ecological preservation. I do like the idea of immortals being concerned about the heat death of the universe, like <laughs> and the like the decay of it. Like he doesn't want to be the last guy alive on a burnt planet. Yeah, no, that's reasonable. Um, and that is his motivation for just creating the shield instead of just he's a scientist and helped it's like oh if everyone on earth dies i will be sitting here alone and in my version he's still immortal um it doesn't screw up the if you just watch highlander great he does he he becomes mortal 
and he he can have kids and that's that self-contained movie in my version of highlander 2 but no go ahead i just got an idea (laughs) i want to see his kids yeah not in my version Uh, anyway (laughs) go ahead continue we'll talk about that later how do you add more immortals if he's the last one? And this is what I was thinking about Old Guard. We watched that movie Old Guard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that scene where they're like, the thing about immortals is they're very resistant to capture. They have the quickening in 1986. It all happens. He thinks he's the last one. He thinks he's going to get to have kids. He thinks he's going to age. And like a decade goes by and he's still childless and he's still hunky and, and his age. Um, and that's because he isn't the last immortal. There was just one of them that couldn't make it to the quickening he got, because they he got were trapped underwater. Yeah, yeah, they trapped underwater like old guard. Or I was thinking because like in the in the Highlander movie, he gets stabbed and it takes him like a day to heal, and everyone's like, "You're a fucking witch" because it took you a day to heal. What if a, like in my mind, it was like an Egyptian pharaoh, but I like it could be a Japanese thing. Um, some despot ruler immortal gets mortally wounded. All of his, you know, subjects think he's dead, so they bury him in a pyramid. <laughs> and he can't get out. <laughs> and he can't get out. And there's even the line in the first Highlander about, like, how we'll all feel this pull to go to the quickening. And so, like, uh, Connor's walking around in 2024, in throughout the 90s and the aughts, going, where's the other immortals? Like, I can, I can hear everyone on Earth. I can't find this guy. And now I'm going to have to live in climate change world? This is shit. Um, and... That's how you have someone to stab at the heart of the Sun Shield is eventually this. Then that's it's Michael Ironside. It's he was trapped in in King Tut's tomb or whatever. Um, breaks out eventually and is like, I need to get my quickening on, like mm-hmm. big Ponfar energy and like <laughs> just like I gotta fucking kill this guy. Um, and then they get to, and then the rest of it stays mostly the same. Um, but you just like reinforce the themes of like ecological disaster and like needing to cooperate and take care of each other. Um, that can be reflected in the flashback with Sean Connery. Maybe that can be reflected in whatever egregious crimes of the past. Um, the, the villainous, uh, immortal, be it Michael Ironside or otherwise Katana, it was guilty of like plagues of Egypt, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe he's causing droughts. Um, yeah, so that's that's my favorite, and all, everything you guys said, I think can can tie into that, um, especially the the like the Japan flashback. Like maybe yeah. that's where we get. I, I I really dig that kind of like the potential of the cold open for that version of the movie, where you have like um, almost um, I want to say mummy esque, <laughs> where like the you have like someone basically being exiled and buried <laughs> alive, and then the last shot before the cold open is over is just the 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 dude opening his eyes again, <laughs> just realizing how fucked he is. Yeah. Because so, that was the only way I could think of getting another immortal in this without aliens or time travel is like, well, there just wasn't one. He just didn't win the quickening. He didn't win the prize. It's not great. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. doesn't undo as much of the last movie. I think but. the the only the only sort of like, quibble I would have with that is that it only really allows for the potential for one one sword battle with one immortal um, uh, oh no so this guy eventually gets to 20 I didn't want to keep rambling when this buried Egyptian king or, or Egyptian pharaoh or or um, Japanese emperor or whatever guy got buried eventually goes to um, uh to make a cyberpunk city times, or whatever, yeah, cyberpunk. Time. Yeah, he gets a cyberpunk gang and has cyberpunk minions, and he can have them like energy blade sword fight against this thing. And the thing I had forgotten about that I loved about your pitch, Greg, was that Japanese sword um, that I forgot he had in the first movie. So I'm, I'm that's why I'm like, I think it's not a he's not buried in a pyramid. He's like he's a Japanese ruler who gets buried, and then it all ties back to the sword, and also like um, cyberpunk and like Asia have a lot that can work together. So it's like. You just get more, yeah. Could, could he be Hattori Hanzo, the actual creator of this of the sword? Oh, yeah. That's good. Oh, I think, oh sick. Didn't he say Masamune was, Katana? The, was the no, was guy? It Masamune? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Who's Hattori Hanzo? <laughs> just, did I you just know, made that up? <laughs> that's fair. He could. There's no reason he couldn't be in uh, Japan in the cyberpunk present just and mm-hmm. in Japan in the past. Like That could be one of the things that's tying his memory yeah. of being here last time. 
is why he's remembering this previous adventure he had there. Oh, thank God this guy's a real guy. (laughs) I thought I like made up like a, or I just like made a reference to a a fucking video game character or something. (laughs) What, Hanzo Hattori? Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he was a real guy. (laughs) (laughs) Was it, yeah, it was, you're right though. It was Mazamine that, uh, that they said that built that sword. Yeah, that works too. Either way. Yeah. So the, the only other note I had was like, the the it's not a page one rewrite but that documentary you watched greg um mm-hmm. about seducing argentina that i bet that documentary could have been bigger and better and cooler and kind of like a jodorowsky's dune if when the economy of argentina uh, or argentina i was about to say argentina if when the economy uh of argentina collapses in 1991 when they're filming this movie which is why that's what i was reading on wikipedia like the, the they experienced hyperinflation so it suddenly went from a cheap place to make a movie to a very expensive place and why the final version of this film was edited by an insurance company yeah. um what if this just like was the death knell of this movie it never gets made it's got all these bonkers ideas and then 20 years later somebody just makes like a Jodorowsky's Dune type documentary talking about the Highlander 2 sequel that never was because the economy of Argentina <laughs> collapsed. Whoa! And they're like talking to the guys and they're like, yeah man, we're going to do aliens but also maybe that wouldn't have worked. I don't know. I think we could have made it work. And then it's like, oh, they were going to justify it with aliens? That's so cool. Like, because they didn't actually have to execute it. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, taking it down a completely different route when you mentioned that, like, he could have kids. I was like, oh, do, why have we not looked at the idea of McLeod's kids? Because yeah. that... Could the could the kids be immortal? Exactly! The kids could be immortal, and it could it could be, like, a... You get new new actors yeah, in like there. Yeah, the, like, Maybe it turns c- out that the Highlander is kind of like a cycle yeah. more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe get an actual Scotsman... That would be, that's actually a nice fix of mine. Like, don't get me wrong, Chris Lambert is really fun, uh, but getting an actual Scotsman to play a, a Scotsman would be great. Sure. <laughs> it's it's bold. I, <laughs> <laughs> it just might I work. I hated his old man voice. Oh, when yeah. He was an old man. I'm like, please stop this. <laughs> I don't like this. Please go back to being more immortal. Yeah, it sounded a little bit more godfathery than it. That's <laughs> than exactly man, what my know? dad said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was definitely brandoing but he's like you know i i kind of wonder like on a chris lambert joint like did they have to like have several microphones pointed at him because it seems to me like he whispers all of his dialogue mm-hmm. like it's like he's just he's just not a he's just not a booming guy he just kind of like he's very very he's very very well, subtle i mean what everything he does i will say this um, I've heard that Harrison Ford is the same way. Um, oh yeah, he he delivers a line like a foot in front of his face, and if you see him on stage, it's actually very hard to understand him because he doesn't project because he's used to being filmed, and that might be the case with with Christopher Lambert as well. He might just like he's intense and he's got an interesting delivery, but it's like a very uh, immediate delivery. He doesn't project. He's not big. Yeah, yeah, and there's some actors who like a, that, and it more may, of a works. brooding type actor. Yeah, and it works on film because you can cheat it, but doesn't doesn't work in a crowd. We'll put it that way. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a question for the panel then, just in in terms of things that we're fixing. Um, th- we've all sort of bemoaned the um, <clears throat> uh, shield for the world subplot. What I guess what would be your different cyberpunk? subplot if we were going to keep it cyberpunk but do something different I still th- or is there a way we could make this less ridiculous where we make make that premise make sense i think it's probably still an energy company um i'm thinking if you want the risk of ecological collapse then shield corp is not like encircling the world with an impenetrable energy shield but instead they've developed say cold fusion or something and they have the monopoly on it they own energy now because we needed to get away from like fossil fuels and stuff and so they have all the power and they're squeezing people because of it because they can just they can charge you whatever they want and then you have Marcus leading like this, the energy should be free for the people, especially because it's effectively limitless. You've invented cold fusion. Like, 
Um, and that could be like her big thing. Um, she could be like living off the grid or something using solar power or something that, uh, that maybe the, the corporation has been cracking down on people trying to use energy that's not theirs. Um, so you could have a little thing with like, with like green energy subplot going on on the side there. And then, yeah, uh, Connor McCloud ends up getting roped into, to taking down this energy giant that's, that's squeezing the world and Probably not really helping that, the environment. And then it could Japanese also emperor did 500 years yeah, ago. Yeah. And you could, you could, it could even turn out that they're actually not being that much less polluting than the, than the fossil fuel industry was like, maybe there's some sort of off gassing for their technology that they're not making public, which is actually worse for the environment. I don't know. I think, I think they yeah. should, it's, if you want to keep the eco uh, plot there with the cyberpunk plot, which I'm down with, I still think they could be like an energy giant or something. I think you basically described carbon offsets, Scott. <laughs> yeah, more or less. But yeah, they, they could be, basically they're a stand in for big oil. Like, yeah. Yeah. If, if we're leaning that direction, I want to see more of uh, Cobalt because there's this secret organization that is supposedly led by Louise Marcus, which is given a lot of lip service, but we never actually see them except for that opening scene. And I think that we could actually have like a group of people because, okay, so here's a, here's a, uh, uh, an emotional beat. So the first movie was uh, Connor McLeod learning how to love again, like to a certain extent. I feel like this could be Connor McLeod learning how to trust people in a team and then how to lead again, maybe yeah, yeah, or how to lead again or like find camaraderie in that, in that way. Because if you're tying it back to, be, sorry. Yeah. There can be only one Highlander, but you got to learn to work on a team mm-hmm. of people. Yeah. Well, and because that, that could tie back to his previous adventure in the past timeline, uh, the past storyline. If in addition to having this apprentice, he was, that apprentice had like a group, he was leading a little team and it all fell apart. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then we can get taking, a wider Taking cast the lessons characters. learned from the past. Yeah. But yeah, wider cast, more diverse cast, just like an ensemble. Ensembles are fun. Yeah, I, that's a, I really like that. Like to juxtapose the lonely Highlander is to make him work on a team. That's how you breathe new life into this, this yeah. premise. Yeah. Plus, it, it probably sets your franchise up a little bit better for the future, since you closed it off in the first one, and then you kind of try and find a way of, of being like, well, now we can make you know Highlander 3, 4, 5, and 6 if we want. I think we, I think we came up with some decent fixes for a movie that I think a number trash. of people thought was unfixable. Yeah, <laughs> Zero on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, uh, Not an audience, but um, the, the, the critic score was zero. I'd never seen that. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but I'm glad I watched this one. This was like, I, I'm, I'm also surprised this is a, not a movie that was like, they didn't use it for that Netflix reboot of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. Cause it's <laughs> maybe it's, it's that bad. <laughs> like clearly, clearly the rights are up in the air since it's free on YouTube, right? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be easy to soup up. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, we nailed it. Great, great job, everyone. <laughs> uh, and thank you very much, uh, Glenar, for joining us. Uh, appreciate you having been yeah, here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's always fun. Yeah, sorry you have to keep coming on for such terrible movies, <laughs> but you, but you, you did get uh, Harley Quinn, so at I least did. there's that one, right? I did. That's true. <laughs> uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, Tell our listeners about. Sure. Uh, I'm part of a podcast called Quantum Kickflip. It's where we play a game called Slug Blaster. It's an actual play podcast. It is right here on this very network, the Alberta Podcast Network. And it also stars a one Liam Kreswick, who is the host of this podcast. And uh, yeah. we are t- teens who have angst and adventures in dimensions with slugs. It's fun. Yeah, it's very um, Doctor Who meets Degrassi. It's very Degrassi That's lately. Like it's been it. very, yeah. very angsty. <laughs> well, it's also been very cyberpunk. The The episodes that we'll be dropping one week after this episode drops, uh, we start a run in the Slug Blaster equivalent of cyberpunk world. So there you go. Nice. And of course, uh, for all of you listening, if you want to give us a follow on social media, we appreciate it. If you want to review and subscribe our podcast, wherever it is you listen to your podcasts, we appreciate that as well. 
Hey, you know what? Connor McCloud is a very old person, so he'd be perfect to guest on Bridging the Gap Between Generations Who Assume Things About Each Other. That's a podcast where Steph and Karen talk to people from 7 to 97 to find out how we're the same and how we're different. You can find it and more right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And tune in in two weeks. Uh, we'll obviously be doing another episode to be determined which movie we'll be uh, we'll be doing. So we'll let you know in the uh, on the social media feeds, and you can send us your fixes for whichever movie we're doing next. And probably vote on it. They've been you know it was this or end of days. Uh, so <laughs> end of days still on the table. <laughs> um, and until then, I've been your host Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. Hi there, I'm Brendan, a certified home inspector with Rumi. Do you have a problem that needs fixing? Whether it's big or small, inside or outside, let me help you find out what's really going on. You can call me by phone, or we can take a look together over video chat. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot and go to Ask a Home Inspector to book your appointment with me today.